0: You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are on week number two of our series entitled Gospel uh, Demonstrated. And how many of you appreciate the message of Pastor Rain uh, last Sunday? That was an amazing message. Can we give the Lord a hand for that uh, testimony? Uh, You know, for those of you who missed that, he talked about uh, trials and sufferings and how we can actually count it all joy. Everybody say, count it all joy. You know, count it all joy whenever you face trials of many kinds or of of various kinds, not just one kind, but many different kinds. Uh, This morning, we uh, took the time to pray for those who are sick, and, um, you know, that's a trial. Uh, This particular series is focusing mainly on one trial, and that is the, you know, the issue of poverty, not only in our city, but actually in this entire nation. Just to give us uh, and, and put us up on speed, uh, you know, the, the aim of this series is to give a biblical perspective on material possession and poverty. Don't worry, this is not a finance series. This is more on the other side. We want to be able to, as a church, what can we do? And how many of you are familiar with poverty happening all over our uh, city and our nation? Uh, I was born actually in Tondo, uh, in a place called Clinica Areliano, and my dad would actually jokingly say, that's where we got your name, okay? Uh, we just got the first two syllables of that clinic, Ariel, Areliano, so that's it. And so I don't know if that's really true, but... Uh, but, you know, living in Tondo, when I was uh, in my first seven years, and we were, uh, I still remember the, the street that we were in, 286 Dayao Street, Balot, Tondo, Manila, and that was like the the address that I am writing every time I go to school in San Rafael Parochial School, we would walk to, uh, to school, and maybe about three blocks away from our place is actually Smoky Mountain. And so, um, we would see that perpetual smoke coming out from that particular dump, and how you know how grateful i am that my my mom and my dad had a vision to somehow uh, move us out from that particular place and move out uh, us here in the south and so uh i think we were as i said 7 years old when we moved into our uh, unfinished house in Tahanan village and uh, i remember during that time eslex was really a freeway. You know, it's, uh, there's no traffic at all, there's uh, no problem with uh, vehicles because it was like a very um, young uh, development here in the South. And uh, you know, when we moved into our house, we barely finished the house, and we moved into a place with no uh, window grills, with no cement, with no paint, but with a roof on our head. And so we're just grateful. Uh, for for the opportunity for us to be able to be raised up in this particular environment, and for my my parents to take us out from that uh, everyday uh, scenery of uh, of poverty. And so, you know, from time to time, I would actually get news that you know my friends from way back, my childhood friends, you know, either they end up uh, as either drug addicts or in prison or whatnot. But you know this. Reality of poverty is really so familiar with all of us, and you may not have lived in the place where I lived, but you know, you just walk the streets of uh, Metro Manila, just go past uh, Ayala Alabang Village, and you know, go to Zapote Road, and you'll you'll find uh, so many children running around uh, the streets, and so this uh, series is really. More of an exposure for us. I know that you know meeting here in a nice hotel room is almost like an antithesis of this series. Uh, you know we're all enjoying, and how many of you are grateful for our congregation here? We're meeting here in a nice, comfortable place. We're meeting in a ballroom. Um, you know our needs have, uh, are are being met uh, weekly. We're grateful for the generosity of this church. In fact. We are running three years already here in our congregation. And uh, we uh, renewed uh, another uh, couple of years with Akasha Hotel with the same rate. The favor of God is there. And from day one, we've never have been in lack and never been in the red as a church and as a congregation. Let give the Lord a hand for that. And so, somehow this, yes, we... We are, you know, we have been reaching a group of people who are maybe upper middle class, middle class, or business people, but, you know, when you talk about the issue of poverty, is this really something that is beyond the church? It is, really, is it really something that is, you know, not for us to look at or to take care of? Anyway, the DSWD is there, the government is there, so maybe there's a branch of government that can actually take care of that, or... On the contrary, is it part of the mandate of God for us as a church to look into and really demonstrate the gospel in its living form? Last series, we talked about the great exchange, and somehow this is the study of our salvation. We call it theologically Uh, soteriology, you know, a study of salvation, how God has sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And we're all so familiar with that, aren't we? And that, you know, we used to be dead. How many of you used to be dead? Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you're no longer dead, okay? You're no longer dead. We're all alive. We've been made alive in Christ. And we've, we've studied the book of Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, and how the benefit of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross has brought us near Him from death to life, from guilt to uh, you know to forgiveness, from alienation to having a spiritual family and a community. And so that was like a great message. Gospel proclaimed. You know, we we heard the gospel being proclaimed to us, and somehow the, the, the effect of the work of Christ on the cross really has brought us our pathway towards heaven amen how many of you are grateful that all of us are destined to heaven amen you know one day we're we're going there but what about here on earth right now you know what are we to do as a church you know is it really just for us to you know to be responsible enough to wake up in the morning on a sunday come to church try not to be late park our cars eat lunch with our families, give, you know, enough offerings, attend a small group, and enjoy our life until Jesus returns in all His glory. I mean, is that really what church is all about? I want to submit to you that though we have talked about the gospel and the salvation that He has offered to us, I believe that gospel, the gospel narrative actually covers a lot, lot more than your salvation and you and I just going to heaven. The gospel, in fact, will impact the society and the culture that we now live in. You have to remember that when Jesus first preached the gospel and the, you know, the good news, when the, the very first message was a quote from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the good news to the what? To the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted he proclaimed, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to declare the year of the Lord's favor. And he was talking about the gospel. He was talking about the good news. He was talking, yes, about our salvation going to heaven, but yet he was talking about social justice. He was talking about issues that people are facing during that time. He was talking about oppression. He was talking about poverty. He was talking about being, you know, uh, people being in prison. You know, Jesus has never, you know, backed down on his message. Yes, he's talking about he was on a path of saving mankind. He said, "I came to seek and save that which is lost." And how many of you? That that's all of us, all of us who were lost before, sought out by God, and now have been found. But my question for us as a church is: What will the redeem? Do now that we have been saved and we have been blessed. Even in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, you know, this prophet was asking, What does God expect of us? And this is one of the favorite passages of Pastor Rain. Can you please uh, say that, Pastor Rain, since it's your favorite passage? To walk, to love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly. You know, that is what's required of us to love mercy, to act justly. What is the justice of God? When you talk about the justice of God, and I have you know, lawyer friends here, we have a judge here sitting in the, in the congregation. Many times when you talk about justice, you're just thinking about crime. You're thinking about you know, breaking off you know, a contract. You're t- talking about uh, you know, going to court and you know, justice but you know when you talk about justice justice is much broader than the court case you talk about social justice you talk about equality and how god wants to bless humanity you talk about why are there people that are marginalized why are there people that are oppressed why are there people that are poor and so we need to address this as a church because i believe that this is part of our mandate and if you are saved and you are part of the seed of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12 says that God has blessed Abraham and He said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to be your blessing to the nations. And how many of you have been blessed? Please raise your hand. You are blessed. And how many of you are willing to be a blessing to the nations? Amen. Don't worry. We will not receive any donations today. We just did that. But this is meant for us to look at... And this is just an introduction, by the way. You know, we just want to be able to lay down a foundation. Why are we doing this? We, we talked about salvation already. Pastor, we're, tapos na we're done already, you know. Salvation is here. I, I'm saved and I'm free and I'm redeemed, yes. But what does the redeemed have to do right now? And what's our responsibility as a church? Gospel demonstrated. Gospel proclamation is important, but I believe that gospel demonstration is the thing that is able to make the people around us understand what we are really believing in. You know, when we preach the gospel, they hear the gospel. But when we practice what we preach, they actually see the gospel. And that is what we want to show the world. You know, let your light shine before men, Matthew chapter 5. Jesus is saying this. You know, this is not a new message for the church. It has all been there all along. You know, when you talk about you know, social justice, the very first beatitude of Christ is blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, it's, it's talking about the inheritance of the kingdom of God. And that's exactly what we're talking about. Beside proclaiming, we must demonstrate it also and thus the title of our series, Gospel demonstrated you know talking about the poor you know uh there are different nations and they have all different uh social issues you know i think um the one of the major social issue in japan is uh suicide and depression and they have what they call a suicide forest because uh you know before what they would do is people would just jump in front of uh you know uh, a bullet train or a jr rail and it's a, it's a big mess and the government said whoever jumps there it's going to be the family who will take care of the expenses of repairing everything and so what they did now is they have uh, you know what they call suicide forest and those people who would actually are depressed they would actually just enter that forest and never come out anymore you would see there Shoes that are just left there as they enter the forest, and those are people that have committed suicide. In in Australia, I think one of the major social concerns is alcoholism. In the Philippines, it's different. We are we have a lot of those. (laughs) We have alcoholism, we have depression. We have we have a lot of those. But the major issue here is guess what? It's poverty. Poverty is the major concern, the major social issue of, you know, of, the, of, of the nation. In fact, I was looking at some statistics from the web, and this is taken from 2012. And look at our Asian ASEAN neighbors. Among the ASEAN neighbors, it's a comparison of the per capita gross national income and the poverty incidence And it says here that the Philippines has the lowest per capita gross national income per year among the different Asian neighbors. The average income for a Filipino because of our, of course, income and population, $2,470 per year compared to Malaysia, $9,800, Indonesia, $3,400. Thailand 52, Singapore is 47,200. But what's really just mind-boggling is the proportion of the poor versus the population. And Pastor Rain alluded to this last week that we have more than 20% of our people in population living before the poverty line. In this particular case, back in 2012, it's 27.9% of the population, more than almost 30 million people. Are living poorly in Malaysia it's only 3% poor in Indonesia it's only 12% poor in Thailand it's only 8% poor in Singapore Wow 0% poor you know what happened to the Philippines and we say that we are the only Christian nation in Asia and how does that translate If we really live what the gospel is supposed to be doing, I think there has to be a change in the social, economic, and political climate in our nation. Amen. And I believe that as a church, who's the church, by the way? Look at the person beside you. You are the church. We are the church. We need to do something about this. And I believe that God's going to use us as an instrument of redemption for our nation. Of course, we know that ultimately the Redeemer is Jesus Christ. But I'm saying is we are the agent of change here in this land. God cares for everybody, regardless of status, rich or poor. And He commands us all to do the same thing. And in this series, we are, you know taught that we are to live out our Christianity. But yet when you look at the Bible in all its uh, essence, there is a special place of the poor in the heart of God. That even in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, in, in Exodus, and in Numbers, and somehow in, in, even in Deuteronomy, you know the commands of God is always inclusive of take care of the poor, take care of the orphans, take care of the widows, take care of the aliens among you. And we see that somehow it's so close to the heart of God. Last week, we talked about trials. Today, we're going to talk about true religion. And when you talk about true religion, true and there's an acceptable religion. How many of you know that religion is not at all bad? and somehow we've heard some you know messages and i'm probably also guilty about this and we always compare religion and relationship and we say that you know it's not about religion because religion is all about doing things relationship is really about who we are in christ and that is so true but yet there is a real pure unadulterated and acceptable religion before god And it is showing love to God, especially by abstaining from worldly corruption and showing love for others by helping the most helpless among us. And I'd like to invite everyone to stand up. We're going to read from the the book of James. James chapter 1, verses 9 to 27. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all his doing. Verse 26. If anyone thinks he is what? Religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Father, we are so grateful for our message and the study of your word this morning. Once again, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to uh, give all of us, your people, a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better. And I thank you, Lord God. That's a church May we not only be hearers of the word, but may we all be doers of the word. We thank you in Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So when you look at the book of James, James is really a you know a, a practical book. He's talking about the tongue. He's talking about religion in practice. He's talking about you know doing things and not just be merely hearers uh, of the word. So we're gonna be progressing uh, more and more. And he's talking about you know, no partiality in, in church even. You know, it's going to be next week. He's talking about the relationship of the rich and the poor uh, even in the, same, uh, in the same church. So James is interested primarily in practical Christianity and he assumes the content and saving power of the Christian gospel. But his interest is on how it is worked out in life. And he denounces a kind of faith that does not act accordingly. This is from the Baker exegetical uh, commentary on the New Testament. Now, let me just go ahead and focus on like the main uh, verse for this that series of verse that we have read. It says in James chapter 1, verse 22, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And this is basically the theme of this entire section. Being a doer. Everybody say, I am a doer. I am a doer of the word. And those These are like two groups of people that he is differentiating here. There are those who hear the word and does nothing about the word. And there are those that hear the word and they do something about the word. And it says here, if you are a hearer only, what is the effect there? You are deceiving yourself. Can you imagine? We don't really like deceivers, right? How many of you have friends that are like that? I guess they're not really friends, okay? Either deceivers. But there are some people that we don't like to deal with, especially if we know that this guy deceives people. But yet, how many of you know that sometimes you don't have to have another person to deceive you? You can actually do that yourself by not doing what is taught us. And, you know, I think the strategy of the devil is this he is fine that the preaching of the word happens every Sunday. He's fine as long as the ears of the congregation are tickled. He's fine as long as emotionally they are moved, they can cry, they can laugh, they can, you know, do all these things. It's fine with that as long as when the people leave the congregation and when they leave the place, they do nothing about it. And that, I believe, is a point of concern that we need to be careful that we ourselves, we are deceiving ourselves by just hearing the word Sunday in, Sunday out. I mean, how many sermons have you actually heard in the past year? 52, if you're here every day, right? Not counting the podcasts that you listen to, not counting maybe some, uh, you know, of course, a small group that you attend. You know, you probably, minimum, you probably listen to at least about maybe 80 to 100 different messages every year but with those 100 message that we have messages that we have heard what have we done about it what have we done about you know the the series that we have preached about last year what have we done about word view a recent series just last January have we you know fallen more and more in love with the word how we actually applied the word in our heart so so the enemy I believe is on a mission as long as the people of God will not apply the word, he is gaining grounds. Because we are deceiving ourselves. And the devil is actually the ultimate deceiver. You know, how are we deceiving ourselves? You know, you, for example, you're going to a fast food restaurant and you order two Big Macs and you order one BFF fries you order one giant shake you order, you know uh, another uh, extra uh, chicken nuggets on the side and then last order is can you give me also a diet coke please? <laughs> I mean, what are you just go ahead and order the regular coke, you know <laughs> at least nabawasan ng konti ng calories, you know I mean, we're deceiving ourselves if we're kind of like that, I mean, how many apps have you actually downloaded on your phone? For example, you know, apps on you know, uh, you know, running uh, to lose weight, or walking to lose weight, or you know, uh, having a fit body, or you know, fitness so and so. I mean, but how many of us really have actually used that app and applied it and actually just directed that app here? Or did we just hear about the app and did nothing about the app? I mean practically we hear about this. You go to a marriage seminar or a marriage retreat and you hear the pastors talking about you know, loving your wife and you know, respecting one another and you go back home, you're shouting at each other and you are disrespecting one another and you know, you're totally doing the opposite. Hearing the Word of God is so different from doing the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Yes, the word of God. Uh, we don't have any scarcity in the word of God. Week in and week out, every single day we're entrenched with the word. If you even, if especially if you're working, for example, like in a Christian company, you know, devotion. You know, in the morning, you there's a there's a devotion there from the from the PA system and so on and so forth. Romans chapter two verse thirteen says, "For it is not the hearers of the law." Who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be what? Who will be justified. And when you talk about the hearer, 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 like a hearer here, a hearer here is like a class student in an auditorium, but he's not enrolled in the class. He's just auditing. Have you ever done that? You attend the lectures, but you are not part of the class. You're just auditing because you want to make sure that you're going to finish that. Eh, you, know, you should have actually enrolled and finished it. And actually. Did it. In verse 23, says, For if anyone, everybody say, if anyone, that's all of us, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face. How many of you have natural face? Walang makeup. Yan tawag dyan, di ba? Organic face. At his natural face in a mirror, this is the pre-kilay time, okay? Pre-eyebrow application, Okay. He's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. I mean, how I many of you have looked at your face in the mirror and you found out there's something there? You've got like, like morning glory or, you know, you morning glory is like moots, okay, moots, okay, whatever, okay? Uh, it Tagalog, okay? Or uh, you got a thing there in your in your nose, okay? Your... Uh, let's not go there anymore, okay? Uh, if, but if you see those, so for example, you notice that you just ate in a restaurant, in a Chinese restaurant, and you see the broccoli there stuck in the middle of your teeth, I mean, and then you say, ah, okay, am cute ng broccoli, okay? And then you walk out and you do nothing about it. Come on. And many people are kind of like that. They look at themselves in the mirror and once they actually go away, they forget how they look like. You know, sometimes, oh wow, I'm a hunk or something like that, you know? You know, have we actually looked at our face in the mirror and realized who we really are? (laughs) But the man who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he is what? He will be blessed in his doing. And I believe that all of us would like to be blessed, right? I mean, people are always looking for a formula to be blessed. People are attending seminars, how to make your first million or how to how to end up a millionaire or how to be blessed in your business. Really, blessing is, I guess, simple, but difficult, simple enough. Because the Bible just explicitly says it. Just do it. Everybody say, do it. And I believe Nike did it. Okay? <laughs> they, they grabbed it from it. Just do it. Don't just hear it. Just do it. And when you do it, guess what? Expect the blessing of God there. Deuteronomy chapter 28 talks about blessings and curses. If you obey the law, you've got these blessings. If you disobey the law, you've got these curses. There are more curses, by the way. Then there are blessings, 14 verses in blessings and over 20 plus verses of curses if you disobey God. Joshua talks about, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. To obey. We see that, you're probably saying, Pastor, you said that before already. Yes, we did. But did you do it? And I guess we're going to do it again until we live it. Until we find the work of the gospel in our hearts and in our, in our hands and in our feet and we're actually being agents of change. Pure and true religion is demonstrated by what? First, a controlled tongue. You talk about religion, you talk about you know how it is to live a life. By the way, if you look at the word religion, from the Greek, it simply means worship. It's a way of us worshiping God. Religion is actually worship. It's an act of worship. So we go back to the book of James, verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I mean, let's... Let's not pretend church anymore. Yeah, we go to church and we think that, is that it? Is that how it is to live a holy Christian life? Just come to church, enjoy the worship, you know, uh, be generous in the offering, attend a small group, go and finish your discipleship journey. But is that really it? And he says here, that when you talk about the tongue, how many of you have tongues? Oh, you have a tongue. Oh, isa lang. You have a tongue, right? And how many of you realize that it is one of the most difficult things to control in our body? Aside from our mouth that always eats, right? It's the tongue, what comes out of our mouth. Verse nineteen, twenty. The very first verse that we have read From this text, Know then, my beloved brothers and sisters, of course, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Quick to hear. How many of you have two ears? Slow to speak. We only have one mouth. And slow to anger. We need to control our tongue. At the slightest, you know, you know how it is, sometimes at the slightest irritation or offense, boom, you vent out with one another. How many of you are married? Please raise your hand. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm not going to go to details here this morning. But you have your own stories, right? And sometimes you can get mad or angry at each other. We don't call it anger. It's heated argument, by the way. Or passionate discussion, in lang yon. But yet, when you talk about anger and it moves to rage, and you give full vent, the Bible says a fool gives full vent to his anger. You know what full vent is? All out. You know, you're venting it out on the person that you're angry with. It says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And many times we miss out our testimony simply because we succumb to this anger. We have people living in our household who are not part of our family. They're the maids, the drivers, you know, your neighbors. And guess what? If you're shouting at the top of your voice, like in 2 a.m. Uh, middle of the night, how many of you know that that is not exactly a very good testimony? Or maybe you call your maids and you tell her, "Die, back it you talk. Know, or rather, you're, you're, you're lashing out sharp words. Remember, she's also a part of your household. Therefore, put away all filthiness. The very next verse. Why did James talk about filthiness after anger? Somehow, is there a connection there between the two? that there's filth there in anger, and it says rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save our souls or your souls. Talking about a controlled tongue in James chapter 3, we're not going to talk about this in the future sessions or weeks, so I'm taking it today. James 3 verse 2, Indeed we all make many mistakes. Everybody say, Amen. All of us are guilty here, right? For if we could control our tongues, and many times the mistakes deal with how we speak. If you and I can control our tongue, we would be perfect. How many of you wish you're perfect? Don't talk at all. Shut up. You're perfect. If you have nothing to say, just don't say it. Proverbs 17:27. A fool. Is thought wise if he is silent? Can you imagine? Even a fool, if he says nothing, people says, well, "There's a wise guy." But if you talk a lot, and if you always speak before you listen, how many of you know people like that? Don't respond anymore. It might be the person beside you. Be quick! You know, always talking even before we think about it and could also control ourselves in every way. Proverbs 10, 19, When many when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. And then James moved on, and this is going to be quick. We can make large horse wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth and a small rudder. And he's using a comparative uh, style of presenting the the truth. Large horse, small bit, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a what? A small thing that makes grand speeches. Tongue is a small thing that either leads you to good or bad. Bit for horses sets direction. The Bible says life and death are the power of a tongue. You have bits for oars as you actually turn it right right, or turn it left. A large ship has a small rudder. This is now the biggest ship in the world. It's called, I think, the Oasis of the Seas. I I don't remember if it's a 15,000 passenger or something like that. You know, world's biggest cruise ship. But yet, though it is so huge, it is controlled by a very small rudder. And the Bible says our tongue is like a rudder. It is the one that sets direction in our life. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. Guess what? In the morning, choose life. Speak life to your circumstances. Speak life to your family. Amen. Speak life to your health. Speak life to your finances. Don't just say, Okay, oh, wow, malas to. Oh, it's going to be a bad day. You're actually setting it forth there. You may not be aware of it, but many times there are people who are so negative. But let us be those people. And I'm not talking about name it, claim it, you know, blab it, grab it kind of a theology. But yet, this, we find this in Scripture. God Himself spoke. He said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. By the power of His tongue, there's creative creativity and creative power that comes out. And the same is true with us. You and I are created in the image of God you can definitely determine the course of your destiny there. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, a tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Wow, it's already on fire. How are we using our tongue every day? Profanity? joking, or about this word, gossip. How many of you have heard of a gossip? How many of you have shared a gossip? And how many of you people have confidence, you know, lang to, ah. don't say this to anyone. You are the only person that I'm going to say this to. And how many of you know that that's probably your 20th person that you shared that to? Malice, anger, deception, lies, complaining, boasting, arrogance, and the list can go on and on and on. Whoever can control the tongue actually can be a perfect guy. But sometimes, we can't control the tongue. It is a spark And how many forest fires have been started by just a small spark. This is so true. That's why in our church, we don't want any gossip going around here. We are our brother's keepers. We protect one another. We don't backbite. We don't stab people in the back. If we have an issue with a brother or a sister, we go straight to that person. Amen. And we deal with that issue. Get a witness, get a victory group leader, or if a pastor's available, go and deal with that. And don't spread out rumors or lies. You know how it is. If you spread something, it is exaggerated over by the next person, and another truth is added to the ne- by the next person, and so on and so forth. This now becomes false news or fake news, right? You probably heard about Mark Zuckerberg's fake news, right? Facebook is shutting down already. Okay, anyway, so. Second is, and we care for the needy. We ask God how we do that. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, in their distress. He's talking about a pure and a true religion here. He's talking about something that is close to the heart of God. He's talking about you know when Ruth went back to Israel with Naomi, she was a widow, and somehow Boaz told the you know the harvesters leave something for the widows and the poor. Let them glean there. Wag simutin lahat. Leave something behind for those so that you can be even more blessed. We see that pattern in the scripture. We just don't have time to do that. Anyway, we have several weeks. But yet, as a church, are we doing the same thing? How do we care for the people who are marginalized or oppressed? Guess what? You don't have to even look for a widow and orphan. You can find them in your own home sometimes. Your helpers, how do you treat your maids? Do you treat them with respect? Do you give them the right wages? Do you abuse them? Do you give them like, you know, at least one day off? Or do you wake them in the morning at 2 o'clock a.m.? Let them rest. You know, treat them with respect. Who are the most helpless members of society? During that time, James was talking about the marginalized, the oppressed, the most helpless. Like right now, we can find like maybe senior family members who need us to look after them. Street children, squatters, and the list can go on and on. And maybe you can we will tell me, Pastor, but you know, sometimes it's a syndicate, right? When when these kids, you know, will actually tap on your window at in, in the street corner. It, yeah, it may be, but for your own conscience, Jesus said the poor will always be among you. You'll never get rid of them. They're always gonna be there. But what will we do? Are we just gonna be sitting down in apathy for them or are we gonna do something? Do to one what you want to do for everyone. It'll make a difference. And sometimes we think that I can't do this for everybody. Might as well not do it for everybody. You know, if there's some opportunity for you to make one person's life better through the gospel, by demonstrating it, go do it. You know, we have a monthly... Like outreach, this is not even part of our church. You know, just a group of singles and campus guys would go to uh, DSWD outreach there in a a haven for children located in front of uh, Alabang Town Center. That's uh, it's a haven for boys. These are the boys that they pick up from the streets. You know, uh, taking in like thinner or rugby because they have nothing to eat so they bring them out they were abandoned by their parents and so they bring them there in this in this shelter and so once a month i think every third saturday of the month some of our volunteers and this is not even church orchestrated they just do it and it's funded by them among themselves they reach out to these children. They they minister the gospel to them. They feed them on a Saturday. You know, every third Saturday, they're excited and they're you know they're gonna be met by these guys. And you know, when these young boys would just come towards the volunteers, they would give them a super tight hug, as if saying, "You are my dad." What a breaking! You know, uh, scenario. One great reason why the rich in general have so little sympathy for the poor is because they so seldom visit them. Hence, it is that one part of the world does not know what the other suffers. Many of them do not know because they do not care to know. They keep out of the way of knowing it and then plead their in- uh, voluntary ignorance as an excuse for their hardness of heart. As I end, it's living out a consecrated life. And this is the last part of that verse. True religion is one that takes care of orphans and widows and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's in James one27 27b. That's from the ESV. In the NIV, it says, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And in the NLT, New Living Translation, it says, refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's a pure religion and true religion. And I'm talking about that before you get saved, but now that you and I are saved, and remember, the audience of James here are brothers. It's the church. He's writing a a letter to the church and talking about, now that you are saved, don't be corrupted by the world. Though you're in the world, don't be of the world. Though you're in there, be free from worldly pollution. And that is something that we can actually still talk about in the future. There are things that somehow hold us in the world, whether it's material possession. And I know that sometimes it is so tricky. And you, you, you become accustomed to it, whether it's a pursuit of wealth, pursuit of riches, or making your business even grow uh, you're bigger to the point of neglecting your family, and so on and so forth positions of prestige trying to prove something to your relatives or maybe to your high school classmates that here you are you're successful I believe there's so many applications here but when you talk about true religion it's really a demonstration of our faith in Christ in ourselves through our control of the tongue towards others by caring for the needy and the poor and the oppressed and towards the world By not being polluted by the world. I'd like everyone to just bow our heads right now. Father, thank you so much for the word that was preached. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not just be merely hearers of this word. But I thank you, Lord God, that we will be doers of the word. Thank you, Lord God, that you will... Help us, Lord God, to be obedient to every word that we hear from the Holy Spirit. I want you to all to lay your hands on your heart right now. Lord, help us and give us a, an obedient heart. Make this heart pure and pliable before your voice, God. Help us to submit continuously to your will. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will find in this place a people whose message is not empty. But Lord, our message, our God, is coming from your very heart. We will take care of those people around us and help us also to be a good testimony in the way we carry on our life by the words that we we speak every single day.